Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Castagast. I just wanted to take a minute outside of the show to let you know about Alter Ego Empowerment Coaching. It's time to invest in your relationship with yourself. We all have a tendency to put other people or tasks first, but in doing so, we can sometimes neglect our relationship with ourselves. Let me be your advocate and show you a kinder, gentler way to treat the most important person in your life, yourself. Alter Ego Wellness offers life coaching to help you achieve the life you desire through interactive online coaching sessions. We also offer online yoga and meditation classes. If you think Alter Ego Wellness may help you, please feel free to contact me, Catherine, at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Hey folks, my goodness, another episode of Castagas. You stumbled in here. Thank you for showing up. All right, I know, I know. Your guilty pleasures. You haven't masturbated yet today, and now it's time for true crime. Well, we got you covered. And this one is gruesome and terrible, and it pissed me right off, and I'm having a hard time fucking coming up with a good intro. So here we go. This is what we got for you today. We got England, a group of idiots, numerous burns, and torture. If you're thinking, by God, you just described the... uh, British Labour Party. Well, you're not wrong. However, today we are talking about the brutal fucking torture of Suzanne Capper. This is going to really fucking suck and I'm going to get right pissed. And I suspect if you have a soul, you will too. So, buckle up, motherfucker. Grab yourself a great, great, greatly alcoholic beverage. I'm John. And I am Kat. Who's currently getting our produce order. Shop fresh, shop local. <laughs> and this is Castagast. Hi, everyone. Hi, everybody. My God. I don't know. We're filming at, or we're recording at no a... No one gives a shit, but... We're recording at a different time today, so we actually have some alcoholic beverages in us, which is nice. And depleted energy levels. Well, not for me. I am just stoked to watch SmackDown tonight. Me too. All right, we're people are here to listen to true crime. Now, what kind of true crime do you have for us today? The truest of crimes. Catherine just picked some crackers out of her tooth and then ate it. Like some cracker scum. Right out of her deep molar. Well, last week after we had pizza and I told you an hour later that you had something in your tooth, you picked it out and ate it. And it was an hour old. It was an hour old olive skin. <laughs> Why don't you give us our disclaimer? All right, cue the fucking music. Hey, folks. We here at Castagast have a lighter touch to true crime. The lightest touch you could possibly imagine. We are like the long fingernail scratching away the Trisket <laughs> cracker scum of true crime out of the deep rotted mold okay. of podcasts. 
And the reason we have to have an air of levity to our uh, true crime show is because true crime sucks. It always has and always will. Just like Bret Hart is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there, there ever, ever will, will be. be. True crime is shitty and always has been. And we have to go to work. And so we can't be depressed every goddamn day thinking about the shit that has happened to other people. So we just have to add a little bit of fun into this. And so, ultimately, what it comes down to is if you don't like insulting and ridiculing and belittling murders and rapists and their shithole families that created them and all the other assholes who made it easier for these sons of bitches to do what they did, then you are a fool. You're uncultured. For the rest of you, you're intellectual. So sit back and relax and uh, grab something alcoholic to drink because you're going to fucking need it today. And let's get right pissed while we get pissed off. Bless your hearts and good luck. Thank you. How far in are we? We're about five minutes in. Yeah. Because we we were arguing about how silly you are. We have to shave that down significantly. No. Yeah. I think people tune in just for my fucking disclaimers. I would like... To cast a poll on that. All right. Are you ready? Get, get on with the goddamn show. Are you ready? Get on. Yes, I'm ready. Get on with the goddamn show, goddammit. Is there going to be a moral at the end of this story? In Manchester, England, on December 18th, 1992, at 6.10 a.m., Barry Sutcliffe and his two co-workers were driving into work that morning. However, on the way there, they happened upon a gruesome discovery. Oh, God. On Comstall Road, they discovered a naked and extremely badly burned person stumbling along the lane of the road. Oh, jeez. They were stunned at the sight before them. They rushed this person to a nearby home, waking the homeowners and calling an ambulance. The victim was 16-year-old Suzanne Jane Capper. One of the homeowners, Michael Coop, stated that Suzanne's hand looked like ash and her oh. feet were badly charred and her legs like raw meat. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Despite her condition, Suzanne remained conscious and very polite with Michael and Margaret Coop, constantly expressing how grateful she was for their help. Oh, my God. You can just picture it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I seem to be a bit burnt. It's just not cricket. <laughs> I appreciate your your attention to my like, demeanor. <laughs> like in National Lampoon's European Vacation, how they keep just like running over people and everything in England and everyone's so polite about it. <laughs> Margaret went to hug Suzanne instinctively, but she pulled away because she couldn't bear to be touched due to her injuries. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Sadly, the burns were not the only startling thing about Suzanne. Something sinister had happened to Suzanne prior to her burns. Her head was shaved, and there were cuts in different stages of healing all over her body. Oh my god, what the fuck? While waiting for the ambulance, Suzanne had drank six glasses of water at the Coop's residence. Of course, she couldn't handle the cup herself and was assisted with this. Oh, my God. When first responders arrived, they immediately took her to the hospital, and she gave them the names of who did this to her, all six of them. Six? She was also able to give them their address. Then she slipped into a coma. Sadly... Are you kidding me? Like, she did all this and then she went remained, into a fucking yeah, coma. Yeah, she remained awake and was able to give most important piece of information that she could. Oh, my God. Sadly, Suzanne would never wake from this coma. Her injuries were so severe that her parents were not able to make a positive identification. On December 18th, 1992, she passed away, and she was identified by a partial fingerprint on her thumb. 
Jesus fucking Christ, holy cow. This partial fingerprint was the only part of her that was not burned. Suzanne had given the very important information of the who and the where, but now we need to know the why and the how. So the who. Jean Powell, Glenn Powell, Bernadette McNeely, Jeffrey Lee, Anthony Dudson, and Clifford Pook. Six people were responsible for Suzanne Capper, her injuries, and her death. They sound like a pack of cunts. The where was Jean Powell's home, which was 97 Langworthy Road in Mauston. So the why. In 1990, when Suzanne was 14 years old, her mother and stepfather had separated. Suzanne and her sister Michelle would split their time with their stepfather, mother, and family friends. Yeah. When Suzanne was 16, she met Jean Powell through Clifford Pook, Jean's younger brother. She came upon Clifford upset one day and approached him to ask him if he was okay. They became friendly, and it was shortly after that that she befriended his older sister, Jean. It was also around that time that Suzanne started skipping school and becoming a bit rebellious. She started hanging out with Jean more, while Jean, who was 26 years old, so 10 years older than Suzanne, and a mother of three, sold drugs out of her home. 24-year-old Bernadette McNeely lived three doors down from Jean at 91 Langworthy Road. She and Jean became close friends to the point that Bernadette and her three children moved in with Jean and her three children. Oh, God, this can't be good. The pair slept in the dining room together as the bedrooms were left for all of the children. They slept in the fucking dining room. Yeah, while all six children had the bedrooms. Jean would also receive frequent visits from her ex-husband, Glenn. The pair remained close friends despite being separated. And Bernadette's boyfriend, Anthony Dudson, who was 16 years old, would visit all the time and would engage in sex with Bernadette and Jean. Oh my God, what the fuck? 16-year-old Anthony Dudson would have sex with his 24-year-old girlfriend and her 26-year-old friend. Jesus fucking Christ. Another frequent... I know. Another frequent visitor was one of Jean's love interest, Jeffrey Lee, who would come by to buy drugs, and of course, Clifford Pook would visit her brother. These were the six people that Suzanne named as her killers. So just a fucking bunch of assholes and Mm. sluts. Suzanne began spending most, if not all, of her time at Jean's. Jean eventually had signed Suzanne out of school and had her working as a cleaner. She would take all of Suzanne's paycheck, leaving her only five pounds each week. Oh, Jesus Christ, really? Suzanne's family had found out about this and confronted Jean, but Jean responded with threats of burning down their houses. In November of 1992, Jean was throwing a party, and at this party was Muhammad Yusuf. And at some point, Suzanne had allegedly made a comment that Jean should have sex with Muhammad. Jean did not respond to this comment well, and she gave Suzanne a vicious beating. Oh, geez, really? She later stated to police that, quote, she gave Suzanne a good hiding for suggesting she go with an Arab, end quote. Oh, not not her type, I suppose. (laughs) After beating Suzanne, she then tied her up and held her for four days. What? When finally freed, Suzanne told neighbors, but they did not believe her. Sadly, Suzanne was described by her sister as very loving and forgiving and just wanted to be friends with everyone. So naturally, she forgave Jean and considered this to be a one-time thing. 
Oh, God, so she was a people pleaser. Shortly after, Bernadette, Anthony, Jean, and Glenn had caught pubic lice. I wonder how, because they were all fucking each other. Well, you didn't let me answer the question. I, this, I didn't know there was quizzes. I wonder how. Because <laughs> they were fucking each other. <laughs> like the sluts they were. They blamed the pubic lice on Suzanne, and they took her to the bathroom and forced her to shave off all of her pubic hair in front of them. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah, you shave it off while we sit here in our filth. And like a drug den with like 18 million children and doing meth and everything else in there. Fucking disgusting. After that incident, Suzanne started distancing herself from the group. Good idea. And she had gone back to stay with her stepfather, John Capper. On December 7th, 1992, Jean and Bernadette had called on Suzanne wanting to invite her to a party. Naturally, Suzanne was hesitant as these women had bullied her so severely. But after telling Suzanne that a boy that she liked was going to be there, that was enough to get her out the door with Jean and Bernadette. Oh, come on. Like, one fucking crush is not worth this garbage. After getting Suzanne back to Jean's house, it was quickly revealed that there was no party or boy. Oh, fuck. It was a trap. Yes. Inside Jean's house was Glenn Powell, Anthony Dudson, and of course, Jean and Bernadette. They attacked Suzanne upon entering, beating her with belts, shaved her head, and suffocated her to unconsciousness with a plastic bag. Jesus fucking Christ. They locked her inside a cupboard for the night, and obviously, Suzanne screamed and begged to be freed all night long. And with six children in the house hearing her pleas, they decided to move Suzanne to Bernadette's house. They had bound Suzanne, spread eagle, to an overturned bed with ropes, cords, belts, tape, and chains. It should be mentioned that the entire group was injecting themselves with amphetamines during this time and the entire time after. Oh, of course. They had strapped headphones on Suzanne's head and blasted the rave song, Hi, I'm Chucky, Wanna Play? by the 150 volts at maximum capacity. Oh, what the fuck? This is fucking ridiculous. And they played this at maximum capacity on her head over and over again, hardly giving her a break from the musical torture. Then they injected her with amphetamines, which which prevented her from falling asleep. Oh, my God. And they would burn her with cigarettes. A few days after enduring this, Clifford Pook and Jeffrey Lee had shown up. Jean had brought them to the back room to show them what they had been doing. And there, they saw a badly beaten Suzanne lying naked on the bed in her own urine and feces. They all took Suzanne and placed her in a bath that was filled with a very highly concentrated disinfectant, and they scrubbed her with a wire brush, which removed her skin on portions of her body. Oh, Jesus. What was the disinfectant? Like Clorox bleach? Uh, Like probably. Oh, for fuck's sakes. In a wire brush? God damn it. Yeah, it was a a stiff wire brush. What the fuck? They then took her back to her prison and bound her back to the bed. Clifford removed her gag and demanded that Suzanne open her mouth. He said, quote, Right, I'm going to rip your teeth out, end quote. And then he began hitting her in the mouth and teeth with a pair of pliers. Oh, for fuck's sakes. He tried removing a tooth, but it just broke, so he continued hitting her in the mouth. Jesus fucking Christ. He wanted to try one more time at extracting a tooth, so he gripped a tooth and yanked Susan's head so far forward that everyone in the room heard a snap. And she eventually fell back on the bed, and Clifford's pliers were gripping a tooth. 
Oh, my God. He did this one more time, removing two teeth in total, laughing the entire time. This disgusting fuck. 18-year-old David Hill had visited one day, and while there, he heard Anthony Dudson yelling in the back room. When he questioned this to Jeffrey, Jeffrey had shown him Suzanne. They then left the house asking if David could watch Suzanne while they were gone. Are you kidding? Like, who fucking is like, oh, what are you doing in there? Oh, we're just torturing this yeah. this fucking woman. Oh, okay. Dave, Dave, you mind watching her? David had felt extreme sympathy for Suzanne, but he did not free her. He said, quote, she asked me to help her, but I told her I couldn't. I asked her who she was, and she told me her name was Suzanne. She asked me if I could untie her, and I said I couldn't do anything, end quote. What the fuck, you small dick piece of shit? You can't fucking do anything? David Hill later claimed that he was too afraid of Jeffrey Lee to intervene, saying, quote, I thought they would batter me if I said anything that they'd all have gotten me. Wouldn't they? I don't know what to do. I was too shocked to do anything, end quote. I know it's easy to say when you're not in the situation, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, just do something. Or like, okay, you don't do anything at that time, but you can't make an anonymous tip. Like, it's the like, fucking 90s. You can do all kinds of fucking things. You can call people. It's so fucking ridiculous. I just want to make clear, too, that, like, the, the Chucky reference, that Jean, anytime she went into torture, Suzanne, she would say, Chucky is coming to play. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's, so, it's stupid and disgusting. Yeah. On another occasion, Jeffrey and Anthony had asked a man named Paul Barlow to help repair their car. He agreed, and he did the repairs in the driveway. Paul Barlow was Suzanne's sister's fiancé. He had no idea that his soon-to-be sister-in-law was being tortured just meters away from him. Jesus Christ. This is a guilt that lives with him to this day. He has said that the door would have been kicked down, and he would have gotten Suzanne out. He has said, I did not think people were capable of such savagery. And now all he dreams of is having 10 minutes with them in a back room. After seven days, rumors had reached them that Suzanne was reported as a missing person. So they agreed that Suzanne needed to go. On December 14th, 1992, Jean and Glenn Powell, Bernadette and Anthony had forced Suzanne into a trunk of a stolen white Fiat. They drove 15 miles to Wernerth Low, which is on the outskirts of Stockport. During questioning, it was revealed that Bernadette was giggling the whole time they made their trip. Jean stated that they pushed Suzanne down an embankment. What the fuck is this shit? They doused her with gasoline, or petrol, in the UK. Oh, with petrol. Bernadette was the first to try and ignite the gas, but was having difficulty. Glenn and Jean were eventually successful after multiple attempts. As Suzanne caught fire, Bernadette began singing the song, Burn Baby Burn. Oh my god, what the fuck? What is with these fucking assholes? Like, they have no conscience. Like, like again, no, like, like six people. Who fucking raised these pieces of garbage? Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Jean and Bernadette are mothers themselves. Oh, it's disgusting. Fuck these assholes. They left Suzanne to burn and drove back to Jean's house. As oh, so, we... so like Bond villains are mm-hmm. like, all right, she's done. And yeah. then they, they leave. As we know, Suzanne was not dead when they left the yeah. scene. And she was able to make her way up to the embankment where the men on their way to work found her. Jesus fucking Christ. Holy shit. At 7.30 p.m. 
On December 14th, Detective Peter Wall sent officers over to 97 Langworthy Road. He instructed them to arrest everyone who was there. Yeah. All six denied having anything to do with Suzanne's death, and it was reported that Jean and Bernadette joked with each other when arrested. However, while at the station, Anthony Dudson was pushed by his father to tell the truth. And so he began telling investigators the horrors that he and his five friends put Suzanne through. Detective Peter Walls said as Anthony was confessing what had happened, he couldn't believe how other human beings could do that to one another. The officers wept after hearing what had happened to Suzanne. Oh, yeah, that would be fucked. Like, it's it's wrecking my fucking Friday, that's for sure. And, like, I don't know, like, if this is, like, a small part, like, a small town in Manchester, but, you know, it, it likely was probably one of the worst cases some of these officers ever. Oh, absolutely it would be. The entire station uh, had raised money and flowers in collection to send to Suzanne's family. The six were charged with kidnapping and attempted murder. However, after Suzanne's passing, they were formally charged with murder on December 23rd, 1992. Because that's when she passed. She was found on December 14th. Of course, I'm betting it's fucking England. They don't have the death sentence. Well... Their trial began on November 16th, 1993. Of course, all six denied the murders and minimized their parts in the crime. On December 16th, the trial concluded and the jury deliberated. Nine hours and 52 minutes later, they reached their verdicts of guilty. They were sentenced to life with a minimum of 25 years of parole. All but Glenn Powell are now free. What? Are you fucking kidding me? These pieces of shit are free. Yeah. And as... What the fuck? And as of the time of this writing, Glenn could walk free as he is fast approaching his parole hearing date. That's disgusting. So they're they're all out. I don't know what What quality of life they have. What fucking imbeciles looked up their file and were like, okay, they can go. They're not not a threat to society anymore. What leftist piece of shit would fucking do that? Canada has the same thing. I know Canada has the same thing. Fucking ridiculous. These fuckers should be eating bullshit and dog shit for the rest of their miserable lives in a field full of fucking peat and be set on fire. But yeah, 25... They served... 25 years and they're out now that's fucking disgusting yeah you know so um would you like to see some pictures oh yeah let's just see these fucking cunts like seriously in what world would someone read to me back what the fuck these people did and then come to the conclusion oh they can go back into society now yeah like how fucking stupid suzanne's it, it was what a slap in the, the face t- to yeah. the fucking family. Yeah, yeah. How they, old are these fucking cunts now? Well, if it wasn't, if they were 26 and 24 in 1992. All right, let's see. So 26, the oldest would have been born in 1966. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you all are, you did the math in your heads. 1966, just barely on the cusp. Gen X alert. The level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. It's not even exciting. No. To... This is Suzanne Capper. Oh, God. That poor girl. And these are... They look like complete fucking idiots. I know. With all their fucking headshots together like that, they look like the drug abuse Brady Bunch. Yeah. This is Jean Powell. That's her brother, Clifford Pook. That's Anthony Dudson. That's Jeffrey Lee. That's Glenn Powell. And that's Bernadette McNeely. They look 
awful. Individually, if you superimpose them on someone else's face, they would look like drug abuse blotches. Yeah. <laughs> they all look like they're missing chromosomes. <laughs> they all look like they dropped out of school. They fucking hang out <laughs> at like a Molly Blooms yeah. on Thursday nights and talk about how they play hockey on Saturdays. Yeah. You know? So that's the Molly Blooms doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> That's the one that is approaching. Glenn Powell is the one that's approaching this month, his parole hearing. They're all looking in different directions. Well, yeah. Like, I like are, they, are they, like, fucking posing for, like, a, for like a shitty Beatles album? Like, what is this? I didn't even know that. That is so funny. It does look like a, like a 90s punk yeah. album cover. Like, like, what the fuck? And that's the bed they kept her on? That's the overturned bed that Jesus they had her on. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Do and we know anything about, like, their time in prison? Did, did any of them get a good raping? No. Or a beating? I, no. In fact, one sentence, I can't remember, I believe it was Bernadette, got reduced slightly. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. She should have a fucking two-by-four smacking her in the face every fucking day between two and five. Yeah. Like, so that's the story of Suzanne What Capper. a bunch of useless fucks. Yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted. Yeah, that's a horrible story. Yeah. and her, That poor woman. Holy fuck. Her family, her sister are fighting and being very outspoken about the upcoming parole hearing as well for Glenn. Every fucking release must have been just a kick to mm-hmm. their faces. Yeah. Well, I hope they all got vaccinated. Bunch <laughs> of fucking cunts. Useless pieces of shit. What fucking world? Mm-hmm. What fucking world allows garbage like that to just go free? Oh, they're fine. They're they're. It's not them anymore. Mm-hmm. That was twenty five years ago. I don't give a fuck if it was two minutes ago. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if it was a hundred years ago. I don't care if they're cripples mm-hmm. and vegetables living on a fucking IV, being pushed around just far enough for their extension cord that they're plugged into to still hold on to the goddamn wall. They don't get released. I agree. They're garbage, and they belong in a fucking trash heap. Oh, I agree. Well, are you ready to have a bit of a palate cleanser and give a Randy Savage quote? A palate cleanser? What what kind of palate cleanser do we have for this? Hey. Aside from palates full of alcohol. Cheers. Cheers. To the weekend. I'm sorry, folks, that you had to go through that. I had to go through it with you. It's a true crime podcast. They're, they're, they do know that they're tuning in. I know they're tuning <laughs> in. Maybe I just don't understand it, but I'm not. A, I don't listen to true crime. Yes, <laughs> so. you do. You love oh, well, small I listen town to you. murder and and Necronomicon. I listen for their jokes. I don't really <laughs> listen to the fucking horrible. Yes, you do. Oh, whatever. Okay. All right, Rand- Randall Savage. Let's listen to the beautiful, erudite words. Of his macho-ness, Randall Savage. Let me tell you now, a man of my position can afford to look ridiculous at any time. Amen. Hey, fair enough. Hey. Hey, a man of my position. All right, any final thoughts? I hate these fucking people. I hate them so much I'll be complaining about them two videos from now. (laughs) I fucking hate these pieces of shit. Are you gonna do a better? Are you gonna do a better story? Not like next week. Can we do like something like a bank robbery? It's just ca- like something without a murder. Like thank God she wasn't Our raped. Our tagline is cast aghast, the grisly, gruesome, and mysterious. Let's do some animal cruelty. No, absolutely not. You know I would never do All that. Right. You psychopath. All right, folks. That's a that's a series that I'll take on. <laughs> Your uh, brazen bull did very well. Did it? No. no. <laughs>
that's it, folks. It's it was lovely chatting with you. Drive drive home safely and, uh, and cheers. And, and and by God, finish the bottle and recycle because this world is full of shit. There you go. Take care. Good parting words. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You can check us out on YouTube at Catam Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. <laughs> <laughs> My God, here we go again. Episode 61. What a milestone. Oh my God, are you keeping count? Yeah. Why? Because. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, tight. If you don't like to hear, I can't remember, I had a, I had a sneeze in my nose. <laughs> it was affecting my concentration. And all of us. Despite her condition, Suzanne remained con- conscious? Conscious. Conscious glasses of water at the coop's residence and remained sorry it's okay you, you just keep going no rush <laughs> oh, all right what do you Jesus. say ennis ennis the cat is here to join us why would you share this kind of information <laughs> did you see this on another podcast and like oh this is a good one people like to know about our real lives maybe we should film like our own real housewives real house no i'm talking about the fucking goddamn story oh. What do you mean? Why wouldn't I share it? Oh, you gonna I do feel a better like you, one next year? I feel like you don't understand the job description, and you just asked me if I'm gonna do a better one next year. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>